Hey everyone, I'm Jerome Goodrich, and you're listening to Collaborative Craft, a podcast brought to you by A-Flight. High-quality software is built by small, interdisciplinary teams aligned to a shared outcome. Teams that have a shared context, tight feedback loops, and free-flowing communication. Things that are even more critical when you come across a project with seemingly impossible requirements. The type of project that tempts even the most disciplined among us to abandon their commitment to quality. This is where having a tightly integrated team proves its worth. In this episode, we talked to one of our teams that had a really tight turnaround to present a prototype to potential investors, a constraint that acted like a crucible for quality software practices with very little room for error. We'll learn more about the project and how a small team working closely together delivered an iOS app as a high-fidelity prototype in just three weeks. Mike Danaher and Hani Kruger were part of the team. Mike is a project director and longtime leader at Aethlight. He joined the company in 2014, and he's gone from a crafter to a project director with experience leading dozens of projects, legacy and greenfield alike. Hani recently joined Aethlight as a UX designer. She has a background in research and usability and has worked in startup environments as well as big tech. Without further ado, let's go talk to Mike and Hani. Mike, Hani, welcome to Collaborative Craft. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. All right, there's a lot to talk about with this project, so let's dive in. Mike, can you give us some background context? Who's the client? What's the project? What was the engagement like? Yeah, so we've been talking with Own Your Government for several years now. They came to us with an idea that they had to help local communities collaborate, work together, and influence their government in a way that technology enables today that it didn't, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, And so Own Your Government was started by Michael Wynn, uh, who's a political activist, and Norman Katz, who's a, you know, software engineer by trade, but also very passionate about local activism. And they want to build an app that would have chat functionality, video calling functionality, a forum where people could post things happening in their community and have discussion around it. And the most important piece is polling, right? For anybody in the community to start a poll and gather feedback that they could then share with the media, their elected officials, that sort of thing. And so they finally got to the point where they said, yes, we're gonna do this but we need to create a prototype so we can get some funding. And they came to Aethlight. So seems pretty standard, but there's a reason we're talking. What was different about this project? Or was it just a kind of a typical engagement? So as I said, they're a startup. So they didn't have a lot of funding, but they had this vision and they had this idea. And so they wanted to put together a prototype that they could share with investors. They could say, here's here's what we want to build and here's it working, right? Here's a working actual product that people could see and actually feel the power behind their idea. But they didn't quite know what they wanted. They 
didn't have everything already flushed out. They didn't have their design set up. They didn't have a bunch of, you know, wireframes or anything like that. They just had a PowerPoint presentation. But I would say ultimately they wanted to approach it with an experimental mindset. And a lot of the projects that we do, for better or worse, the client comes with a fully fleshed out plan and they're pretty confident in that plan. And it doesn't always go that way, right? This project was exciting because they were going to take this experimental mindset with us, which we don't get to do often. So we had three weeks to put together a prototype based on kind of what they gave us. Wow. And they had some ideas about using off-the-shelf SDKs to kind of make some of this stuff a little bit easier. Like we wouldn't have to build our own video calling and we wouldn't have to build our own chat interface. But with off-the-shelf SDKs, you don't actually know what you're going to get until you start, you know, putting them into the code. And so they they wanted to give us time to kind of spike out what it would look like using these inside of mobile apps. So we put together a team of Android developers and iOS developers, showed them the SDKs that we wanted to look at, and they spent a couple of days kind of trying each one and, and showing off what it could do. Gotcha. And so given these constraints, what made you decide, yes, we can do it, and we can do it justice by our standards of quality? So, <laughs> I mean, the, the funny answer is 8th Light can do anything, right? Like we're software generalists and we approach things in a way that lets us figure it out as we go. And we try to create fast feedback loops and we try to make sure that we're staying on the path as we go. The team that we put together had mobile experience. They'd worked in mobile development before, but they were also just curious and passionate about the project that I think kind of drove them to want to do good work. But we also set it up in such a way that if we had to throw away everything at the end of it, that wasn't going to be a problem either. So yeah, what was the kickoff like? We put the team together. We set the direction of here's what we want to accomplish in the next two weeks. We want to explore these two or three SDKs, see what's possible, kind of show your work as quickly as you finish things, you know, collaborate as much as we can as we go and just kind of go off and figure it out. You make it sound so simple. Uh, <laughs> so, honey, I'd love to just hear from you to get a sense of like day to day on the ground. Basically, just what was your experience like working on a team that had to turn something around that was not particularly well defined, open to a lot of experimentation and iteration? And with as tight of a timeline as you have, and actually like a decent sized team, five people is not a small team. Yeah. So I would say this was definitely an interesting circumstance for me particularly um, because I was actually pulled onto this project my first week at 8th Light. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're talking about jumping onto a project that has, you know, this short of a runway and working with all of the people on this team, all of that was new because, again, I was here maybe like two days <laughs> before I got onboarded to the project. So 
I'd say that was definitely, you know, unexpected, but it was, it felt good to hit the ground running and, you know, dive into a project so soon after joining. And, you know, obviously that's a great way to meet people at 8th Light. So I really appreciated that. But again, it was such a short turnaround. It was definitely interesting from the design perspective. We had to understand the vision and the work that had been done up to that point rather quickly since we had about five days. And I would say, you know, since that was so condensed, it was also unique in the sense that we also brought on another designer from another agency to help out with the project. So in that sense, I was, you know, working with designers from 8th Light, but then also having someone hop on as well. So he was definitely instrumental in making sure we were able to produce quality designs in such a truncated time frame. But I learned a lot about working internally with Athlight and then obviously our stakeholders and then also another designer from another agency. So I would definitely say that was a lot of learning really quickly in itself from the project standpoint, but also just how to work with others at Athlight and the larger, broader team Mm -hmm. for the design that we did within that one week. You said there's a lot of experimentation happening, which there definitely was, but also, you know, having to keep in mind not going, you know, too far (laughs) off the rails in the sense that we really had to stay focused with those five days in mind. So I would say the majority of our time was really spent between doing things like creating branding assets and then really focusing on the wireframes and flows for the main features that were already determined before we hopped on. So we worked pretty simultaneously in the sense that I was focusing a lot on the wireframing and the flows. And then the the designer we brought on was working on leading the branding effort. And, you know, we worked really closely together with our stakeholders and the A-Flight team to ensure we, you know, captured the sense of the community and the connection that are kind of core to their mission then also using the demos from what the dev team had already put together to really influence and build out those flows and make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're incorporating feedback. So there was a lot to do (laughs) in that short period of time. But I think it was really kind of focusing when to do each thing and when to get feedback, which was, of course, early and often. So we didn't have a ton of updates at once to kind of overwhelm the team. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we kind of ended that week making sure we had some high fidelity mockups for all of these feature flows and really kind of making sure it brought the vision to life, but also served as a roadmap for the work that would be moving forward. So I know that was a long winded answer, but I learned a lot (laughs) in that one week. That's awesome. No, I don't think it was long winded. I think it was appropriate. There was a lot to cover. Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that really stuck out to me as you were talking is you really emphasize this notion of feedback loops. And given that you're operating on, again, like I, I keep saying it, like such a short timeline, I think I'm just that there's like a, a shell shock of, of sorts, me hearing that you had to deliver it half in three weeks. <laughs> What does that look like? How do those things get created? I, I'm just really curious about the mechanics of this, just from like a a team culture perspective, from a workflow perspective. This seems like really the paragon of a extremely high functioning interdisciplinary team. And so 
I'm just I'm just very curious as to how it all works and if you think it would work on a different project. Well, and I'll also throw in uh, time zones. So oh, yeah, uh, sure. we <laughs> we had uh, so yeah. Let me like kind of lay the team out a little bit. Our two iOS devs were in Europe, in Poland, and London, and then our Android devs were on the East Coast in New York. And our clients are on the West Coast in San Diego. And so we had to rely on like asynchronous communication. So obviously we had Slack channels set up. We had Google Docs. We had Figma for, you know, just capturing all of the information. But pretty quickly as we got started, we realized that because the folks in Europe were working while everybody else was sleeping and then we would wake up and kind of have a little bit of overlap we did a quick sync in the morning but they also started recording their work they would take a screen recording of what they were working on and say here's what i was able to accomplish in the last four hours and people could watch it and they were usually just a minute or two so it was pretty quick and it's amazing how a video can convey so much more than what you could type right like if you open Slack to a wall of text, the last thing you want to do is actually read through it all. Um, and so you you open it to a video and you watch it and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. And oh, they ran into this issue or they found this bug or, or you could immediately show the client and the client could be like, that's not quite right. Like that's not quite what I was going for. And I think once we started working in that cycle, we didn't hold on to things as much as you might on another project. And what I mean by that is typically, at least from the development side, and Hani could talk about design, but typically you wanna like write the code and then you're gonna go back and you're gonna refactor it and you're gonna make it perfect and you're gonna sit on it for a couple hours and then you're gonna put up a pull request and somebody's gonna come and review it and they're gonna like not actually check it that well because they're just looking for, you know, like patterns and stuff. And then it's going to get deployed to an environment and someone's going to actually like pull it down and run it. Mm -hmm. And they're going to find like the obvious thing that you missed. And that's going to take like three days, right? Mm -hmm. But here you're actually like, in order to record a video, you have to have it running. It's running, it's working. People can see it. They can ask questions about it. And it's just so much faster than a typical cycle. Honey, anything to add? Yeah, I was just going to jump in and reiterate how helpful having those videos is from design, too, because as you were just mentioning with the time zones, uh, a lot of our day, the beginning <laughs> of our day would just have meetings just to sync and make sure we're all on the same page of what would be worked on that day. Um, but having the extra information from those videos from the people who wouldn't be able to join those morning syncs was really helpful in kind of prioritizing what we should work on or what would need to be updated just from the stance of you know seeing that there's a lot of work going on <laughs> basically at all times on this project throughout this week so having the feedback of oh this is what we've been working on and then this is what we could do once they are you know back online after the the time zone flip, if you will. Um, it's helpful to know kind of what to prioritize once they're back for their next working day. I think that was really helpful for Robbie, the other designer and I, to kind of make sure that we're 
adjusting, you know, what we're working on to kind of focus on the updates that needed to be done based on who's working when, but also we had so many check-ins and I think that's a big frustration for a designer always is, you know, when do you have the time to work (laughs) and actually produce versus talking about what you're doing? So I think that was another way in which we had a lot of, you know, check-ins through those videos and through simple status updates on Slack to make sure we're getting all of this information that we need, but also still giving us room in the afternoon to actually, you know, get the work done that we needed to for the next update in the next morning. So kind of balancing when we were focused and doing the design work. And then also when we were getting that feedback, it was helpful to be flexible and making sure we got feedback in a variety of ways. That's super interesting. Uh, and I'm curious, from your perspective, how did that work? It seems like the stress of the project, the time zone differences, the sort of balance that Hani was talking about, about check-ins versus actually getting work done versus iterating on work that was already done. It makes it all seem like you know there had to be some sort of structure, but it doesn't really seem like there was. You may have heard the term outcomes over outputs. It's been pretty popular the last you know couple of years as folks in the DevOps community talk about it. The idea is if you focus on the outcome, what you're trying to achieve, and everybody's aligned on that, and you have to give up a little bit of control, right? Is you really have to trust the team, but you say, here's what we want to get to, and here's why it's important, and here's what it's going to unlock when we do it, and then just say, let them figure it out, right? You don't need to micromanage your team. You don't need to double check every line of code that gets written. You don't need to dictate how everything should be done. The devs are the experts here, right? They're the experts in the code. Let them be experts at that and get out of their way. As long as you can kind of all agree on the vision, everything else just kind of takes care of itself. It almost sounds too good to be true. <laughs> what happens when there's an issue? Something breaks down, something unexpected. Is there somebody that comes in and writes the ship? So what's great is we're only working in four-hour chunks, right? So if something goes wrong, you've only lost four hours. Because of these tight feedback loops. Exactly. And so that way, people learn not to hold on to their code. You know, It's not sacred anymore. It's just, hey, I tried this thing. What do you think of it? And you can quickly say, no, that's not quite right. Or yeah, that's awesome. Keep going. And it just goes. But you're not wasting a whole two-week sprint to get to that outcome. I just geeked out a little bit about uh, <laughs> how, how the team worked, what your workflow was like, kind of what the day-to-day looked like. And we haven't talked at all about what y'all actually built And I'd love to hear about that because Own Your Government just sounds like a very cool product and it'd be great to get some insight into what it actually does and a little bit of the how of how you built it. We started with the first two weeks of exploring the SDKs that were available. And we used two folks on Android, two folks on iOS. And the particular ones that we wanted to check out were Dolby, io for video conferencing, uh, stream for chat, and survey.js for polling. Dolby worked out really well. It 
was able to drop in for both iOS and Android, um, didn't have any problems. Stream was pretty good for direct messages, but it wasn't that great for group messages. And they claimed that they had a forum Twitter-like functionality that was not documented, and we had no idea how it worked. <laughs> so um, hence the experiment. Sure. And SurveyJS was pretty good, but we couldn't get it to look right, right? Because it's just a JavaScript drop-in, and so we had to render it in a web view. Yeah. And so... It sounds painful. Exactly. So we learned, right? And by the end of the two-week kind of experimental sprints, um, I guess you'd call them spikes, we had settled on Dolby for sure. Uh, SurveyJS, we just had to make it work, but it wasn't going to look the same. And Stream was great for direct messages, but we were also looking at this other one called PubNub that was an, a true, like, publish, subscribe, pretty much like raw JSON feed that you could make it look however you wanted. After we kind of had those working and we could see how it was to interact and customize the design, the clients decided that we should just focus on iOS. And that's when we brought in the design team. So we dropped Android. The two devs from there moved over to iOS. So we had four devs working on iOS and then the designers came in. So that third week was focused pretty well on, okay, now let's make this high design, really polished, and we'll just use iOS for that. So, Hani, the devs had two weeks to sort of experiment with these different SDKs. They built some sort of UI. And so how did you take what they built and turn it into the app that this team was going to present to investors? Yeah. So rolling off of those two weeks, we started, at least I started with looking at all of the demos that came out of those two weeks and really trying to understand at this point what has been built and what do we need to keep in mind with the actual functionality and what might be missing or you know not yet accounted for. It was really almost doing like an audit of what happened within those demos. And I took screenshots of everything within those videos and put it on a fig jam board and made sure that we took notes of everything that the other designer and I had noticed and trying to keep track of what was already there, what we knew we should have within the next five days, what we could actually do. <laughs> and so a lot of it was just trying to make sure with the, I think it was five main features. I know Mike just mentioned things like polling and chat and forums. So really trying to make sure we had initial directions, utilizing established UX patterns to make sure we could demonstrate how a user would, for instance, be able to fill out a poll or be able to create a poll and prioritize the main goals that would be coming out of each feature. So again, like with that example, creating a poll was equally as important as being able to vote in a poll because a lot of it is really trying to get the community involved and everyone has a voice. So making sure things like that were accounted for. And with those five main features, really trying to bring those flows into high fidelity mockups and really prioritizing the story that we were telling with each of those, since at the end of the day, it was really trying to bring the vision to life with this kind of proof of concept of what the app could then look like. And what we 
created within those mock-ups with what the dev team could produce in the few short days that we had to do so. So it was really making sure we prioritized what we could eventually show, but also keeping in mind that with the short time frame, we couldn't explore all of the different things that we might want to. Like normally, if we were thinking about all of these different things like chats and forums with something that is for a community, we would want to think about things like privacy and would people want to be anonymous or would they be comfortable having their you know name or photo attached to some of these issues that they're talking about. So things like that, we couldn't really necessarily dive into because of, of course, the time frame and just trying to get the main concept across. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it was really trying to toe the line of, you know, what's possible now versus what we can keep in mind while we're building out these designs, but things that can be discussed and figured out in the future. That was the line that we towed. Yeah. Thanks for adding a little more context there. I would also add when design came in, right, as you can imagine, the devs made just pretty like black and white and here's a giant button and <laughs> I know what I would make. Yeah. <laughs> here, here's like a five tab. Not pretty. Yeah. Five tabs at the bottom of a mobile app. Right. And each one is its own thing and you know, it's all very isolated. Mm-hmm. And so when the designers came in, they had plenty to work with, right. Of like, Oh, okay. I need to work on transitions between these pages and I need to, bring in this idea of like a floating action button that could be present on every page to help you navigate back and forth? Or what does the uh, menu system kind of look like? And how do you flow from one step to the next? And that was pretty powerful right away, right? And so those, those first couple hours of just design, looking at things and making suggestions gave the devs enough work to do for the next day to start to polish it. Yeah, I think in the beginning, there were things as simple as moving where the logout button would be. And then it kind of evolved into things like Mike just mentioned with navigation, you know, as we got a better sense of how someone would go throughout all of the features within this app, then we moved with this floating action button to be able to create a chat or create a poll while you're viewing other pages or if you have information within a forum that might spur an idea for a poll, how could you more easily create that with what you're currently looking at versus having to go through various steps to kind of get there through the polls itself? So we've talked about developers. We've talked about designers. I'm really curious about how product was integrated into this because that seems like in order for a productive partnership, they would also need to be on board with these fast iterations, they would need to sort of buy into this outcome-driven approach. Did that all kind of coalesce naturally as well? So the product role was played by the clients. Mm -hmm. And so they were the ones with the vision and they knew what they needed to demonstrate to investors, right? They had in their head which features were gonna be powerful, how the interaction was gonna happen, And like, we missed forums completely. We just didn't have a tab for a forum. And like three days into the last week, they were like, where's the forum? (laughs) And and so it was like, 
oh yeah, we totally missed that whole piece of functionality. Fortunately, because we were already working in this fast feedback, we could add a new tab, put in some fake data, and Hani and Robbie could come up with the design really quickly. But yeah, we definitely had to kind of rely on their vision from the product perspective. And I guess given that, was there ever any tension between what they wanted to present to investors and sort of like the standards of quality that a flight adheres to and how do you sort of balance those things well we didn't run any tests right tisk tisk there was no time to test any of it but i think it was good enough right and this is where the good not great becomes apparent like you you just need to get something that's usable and figure out the framework and how you're gonna do it and then you can come back and actually refactor and pull out objects and create models that you need to create and then test it, right? Yeah. The other part here is mobile makes a difference. We're able to use a lot of the tools that Apple provides and Android provides, and it's pretty self-contained, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have a server running in the background. We didn't have to worry about an API or any sort of data exchange. Our build was just the build. It just built itself. And we were actually able to deploy it to the App Store by the end of it because a lot of those tools just come out of the box. And I think that made a huge difference. That makes a lot of sense. Like I said earlier, it really sounds like the ideal of a high-functioning interdisciplinary team. That said, I'm wondering if I'm also discounting was there like just a super frenetic pace on this project? Having that sort of pressure to deliver in three weeks, does that make things just kind of click? Do you feel like this paradigm of working works in different contexts as well? So in talking to some of the devs afterwards, they definitely described it as like a hackathon, right? It was fun. It was focused, engaging, but exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you can keep that pace forever. And there would definitely have to be some changes made to scale it, especially if you wanted to introduce a bigger team or actually have like a backend server and a whole other you know aspect to it. But I would love to work on a team that kind of had this mindset and these goals whenever I can. Because it's empowering, right? To let people do work that they want to do in the way that they want to do it. It's no fun to have someone like dictate the rules, right? And say, here's how you're going to do it. And here's what it's going to be. And how long is it going to take you? Mm -hmm. So I think if we could start to shift our teams towards this mindset of focus on the outcome, focus on what we're trying to achieve and make it something that can be done in a couple days. Don't say, okay, six months from now, we're going to launch this beta and it's going to have a thousand features and we have to make it perfect. Let's just focus on one feature that we can do in a couple days and get feedback on it. My immediate follow-up there is how do you impact that? Who brings the vision? How do you bring that decision maker on board? It's definitely a mindset shift. There's a lot of folks in the software industry 
even at a lot of the clients that we're at that have been told or have learned they have to plan everything up front, make sure that product has given us all of the requirements that we need, and then design has designed all of the screens that we need, and then the devs finally get to look at it, and we're just told to implement it in the code. And so we have to sort of break those silos down. Really, if product and design and dev could all be in a room together for an hour, just talking about a feature and going back and forth and sharing how it could be implemented and here's the trade-offs we could make and here's how we could do it and then spend the next couple hours of the day doing it, come back the next day and check it and go from there. You and I could have an entirely different podcast episode just about that and maybe we should. But honey, I'm also interested in your thoughts and your takeaways about this experience your first foray into uh, a flight and what you might change if you'd want to work this way in the future or some iteration of that. Yeah, I would definitely say I learned a lot very quickly in my first two weeks at a flight due to being on this project. And of course, I got to know everyone on the team very well. And so I would say <laughs> it was definitely fast and furious, both in the sense of onboarding into a team and a company, but also getting kind of the lay of the land of how some projects function. I know this is not how every project would be, obviously, but I would say uh, definitely in the fact that it was, you know, fast and furious, there was a lot to be done in that short period of time. The way in which we were communicating was definitely kind of out of necessity, but I think very quickly we realized how beneficial it was just in all of the different ways we were communicating and getting creative like with the time zones. Um, so I definitely appreciate that and can take that for any future projects to keep in mind. It wouldn't necessarily be sustainable in running with that level of intensity for longer time periods, but there are a lot of takeaways in prioritizing what to work on with what you know and making sure that you can deliver everything that you agree upon. Because I think from a design perspective, you could spend hours, you know, hemming and hawing very easily about how one layout can look or, you know, should you use this UX pattern versus this? When you don't have the time to do that, you work very quickly and learn along the way what works best. You don't have the time to really focus on making a perfect version. Better to have something done and built than striving for that level of perfection. So I think in that sense, having something that you need to produce in such a short amount of time, you really get back to basics. And I really appreciated that about this project. Incredible. Yeah. Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, we've talked at various points in this conversation about outcomes, but we didn't actually talk about what the outcomes were <laughs> on this actual project. How did you guys do? How did the client react? What happened? What was the outcome? So the client was pretty happy with what we came up with, and they were happy with what we learned, especially about the various SDKs and what was going to be possible and not possible. They got an app in the App Store, but it wasn't connected to any data and you couldn't actually add a new poll and it would save or have a conversation with a couple of different people. For the video calling, we had to hard code 
two video streams. And so if you wanted a third video stream, it wasn't going to work. So yeah, there's always more that you could do. There's always more that you could want, but they got pretty good working demo that they can show to investors. And overall, I think they were pretty happy with it. How about you, honey? Yeah, I think I would just say that from the design team perspective, it was just pretty remarkable, if I do say so myself, just how much we were able to produce in those five days. That's kind of what I, I take away from the experience. Yes, we worked really hard. And in terms of being able to look back on all of the things that we were able to build and share with our stakeholders, that was really amazing for just five days. All right. Hani, Mike, thank you both so much for joining me on this episode of Collaborative Craft. It was great meeting you, Hani, and great seeing you again, Mike. And I look forward to the possibility of us working together in the future. And Mike, maybe a upcoming podcast about outcome-driven development. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Jerome. This was great. Thanks for helping us tell the story and explore these ideas further. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care, both of you. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Collaborative Craft. I want to thank my guests, Hani Kruger and Mike Danaher, for sharing their experience on a challenging project. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Are there things you're seeing in your organizations that we didn't cover in this? What are some of the ways that you're seeing craft evolve within your teams? Let us know by heading to eighthlight.com slash collaborative dash craft or tweet us at at collabcraftship. Please like and follow Collaborative Craft on your preferred podcast app. And if you like a particular episode, share your comments. We'd love to hear from you. If you know anyone who's curious about the craft of software and the types of conversations we're having, please tell them about the show. The more people hear about us, the more we can help others unlock their potential and build a better future. This episode was produced by our friends at Dante32. Bye!